Welcome to Opiso, a resource from Solano Community Church. My name is Rebecca Jones, and I'll be your host today. Opiso means follow in the language of Jesus' day. And the Opiso podcast is a space where we, as the Solano Church community, can explore what it means today to find and follow Jesus. So wherever you are on that journey, we're happy that you're with us. Um, welcome to episode six of the uh, Opiso podcast. Uh, we are here with, and we can do like a round table. Um, my name is Rebecca. I'm a grad student. My name is Annie. I'm also a grad student. My name is Andrew, and I'm a pastor. Um, so today we're going to be talking about uh, the concept of humility. Um, and we are uh, recommending and talking about this book by Andrew Murray um, that Pastor Andrew has talked about quite a bit on uh, on Sundays, so I think just before getting into the concept and just discussing it more broadly, do you want to just talk a little bit about what brought you to do a deep dive into the concept of humility? Sure. Yeah, I've been I've been uh, wrestling with humility for a long time, and whenever you whenever you say that you have made a study of humility and you're really working to understand humility. Um, you, you know, you always feel a little bit kind of embarrassed because then the person that you're saying it to thinks, oh, you must be a very prideful person. Uh, and then they might think next thought, and, and what do you think you have so much to be prideful about that you have to wrestle with humility so much? Um, so I'm always a little bit embarrassed even to, to mention that uh, I have made a study of humility and I love to think about humility and I continue to wrestle with what it means to pursue humility in a way that reflects Christ. Um, but I've learned over time that uh, it's interesting, even people who, who maybe in a worldly sense have very little um, can be still very prideful. In other words, pride isn't associated with how great you are necessarily or how by the world standards uh, successful you are. Um, it really is a condition in the soul that affects all of us in in different ways and so um that's kind of how i get around the idea that uh that you know my obsession with pursuing this topic um you know is okay i think it's it's for all of us in fact i was um just in, as we were preparing i was thinking about this quote from c.s lewis that's always um that's always hit me uh where he says i wish i had got a bit further with humility myself if i had I could probably tell you more about the relief, the comfort of the taking the fancy dress off, getting rid of the false self with all its look at me and aren't I a good boy and all its posing and posturing. To get even near it, even for a moment, is like a drink of cold water to a man in a desert. And I think if C.S. Lewis wrestled with humility or, or wished he'd even wrestled with it more, to me that's an indication that this we're on the right track, you know, when we're, we're pursuing this. That's great. Thanks for sharing those beginning, like, uh, laying the foundation kind of thoughts. Um, as we are laying the foundation, uh, would you mind kind of giving a little bit of a definition to humility um, from, from your studies over the years? So I would, um, but I would, I would love to hear from you guys a little bit too, just to make this more of a, a, a group conversation. What has been your journey with humility um, so far? And what intrigues you 
about this topic? I feel like the opposite of humility is what everybody can relate to. Having something in our life that we feel defines us or gives us value and it's our source of uh, kind of referencing ourselves in relation to other people. And so I think especially, I think in uh, at Berkeley with grad school, I think humility is something that's very hard to find. I think the game is about constantly leveraging your achievements, your skills, your knowledge to place yourself in a position above other people. I think a lot of people will talk about cooperation and collaboration, but at the end of the day, I think the driving force a lot of times um, with school and with searching for knowledge is kind of a, a leveraging of yourself. And, and really it's the opposite of, of seeking humility. Um, so I think it's an interesting question of how to be in an environment that's so steeped in achievement and knowledge and gaining uh, relative to other people, but have a posture of humility. So kind of existing in that space, but clearly being marked as different. So how, however that journey looks, I think it's something worth engaging in and figuring out uh, how to do that well. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I feel like for, for me, um, I'm thinking back on like... Um, I remember there was a time in undergrad where, where I felt like painfully aware of um, how much I was using my words to kind of like advance my own agenda. Mm-hmm. And I think it was more in the context of like conversations, classroom discussions and things. And I just kept hearing like the same kind of patterns of um, people just talking a lot about just like their own accomplishments. And um, I think even like with like athletics and things, like people just kind of always name drop or, I don't know, there was always something behind the thing. And I felt like um, it just started to make me really uncomfortable, like with myself and just kind of like what I was kind of um, entering into. So the idea that um, one of the like primary things that we can, I mean, one of the gifts that we have as believers is to be able to submit our will um, to the Lord and have, have him completely just recreate what we actually, what our days look like, what our passions are about is like that's massive you know and I think just going off of what you were saying Annie about like now having the, the grad school environment like that is just so foreign I remember just thinking about how um I didn't really find that many like academic advisors and things even the ones that like were believers that like were it was just like um for God's glory and nothing else kind of you know it was always kind of mm-hmm. just also with accomplishments and the CV and don't forget about that paper that I wrote you know like um, so I don't know, it, it seemed very refreshing when I actually met people who like just were not trying to advance their own agenda to a certain extent. Wow. That's so good. I mean, you're talking about a system that actually causes you to have to work against yourself in this, in this movement towards humility, because you have to, you have to present yourself, you have to put yourself forward. And I think most people experience that in life that, you know, it might not be the academic setting like you guys are in, but, you know, whatever setting they're in, whether it's a work setting, oftentimes our family of origin has this kind of dynamic to it. And sometimes it's just an internal thing inside of us. There's there's a piece of this that comes from, 
you know, our sort of modern secular Western culture, which is like, you have to take what's inside of you and externalize it and share it with the world. And then, and then the way that you, um, feel good about yourself is when the world then affirms you back and says, yes, you are that yes, whatever it is that's, you know, and so there's this, there's just layers and layers of systems that are almost compelling us to move in the opposite direction of humility wherever we find ourselves. So you, you, so now you see why, I mean, you know, C.S. Lewis found it very elusive. Um, but at the same time, it's like there's this little voice calling us. And it's something about the image of God in us and the Holy Spirit working in us and just reminding us that there's something, maybe it's the J. Cole song that you listen to, you know, the, the uh, my, my daughter just sent me this Pride is the Devil song. You know, it's got a hold on me like but there's, you know, so he's having that experience of actually, you know, knowing there's something beautiful about humility that I just, you know, and, and like C.S. Lewis says, it's like a cold, and you, you use this too, Rebecca, is refreshing when somebody doesn't put themselves forward. It, there's something, it's like a cool drink of water, you know, and maybe later when we talk about how do you know when you've kind of landed in humility, there's. There is, a, there is an element of our posture that shifts related to that, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, anyway, we can all, all connect into this battle. I think that's the point to start with. But you asked me a question about the definition of humility. So um, as part of my kind of journey on this i was just really doing a deep dive in the original you know languages the words that are translated in humility and you know how it is with words sometimes it's helpful to to kind of take it out of out of this ideal concept which humility is very much a hard thing for us to grasp and to give it some sort of physical dynamic. And, and when you look at the actual meaning of the word that we translate um, as humility, it has to do with being in a low place. And the opposite of humility, pride, has to do with being lifted up and exalted or exalting yourself. So, you know, in Luke 3, 5, it says, every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. That's the same word for humility. So it's a physical lowering of a mountain. That helps me. That helps me when I think about, I'm trying to get my head around what is humility. Um, and then, you know, the opposite, uh, Luke 1, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. So you, you just see this, it's like a, it's like a placement. It's like a, a location. You go back into the Old Testament and, you know, you've got a similar kind of concept around pride. Um, Isaiah 14, 13 through 14. Um, definitely talking about the, the Babylonian king. Some people think maybe also talking about Satan. So, you know, at the core of who Satan is, we often think of, you know, there being pride. Like that's what caused Satan to be Satan. Um, verse 13, you said uh, in your heart, again, this is the Babylonian king, definitely, maybe also reflective of Satan. Um, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. 
above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. So it's this idea of trying to usurp the place of God. Um, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So when we think about the positioning of ourselves as, as a way to kind of get our hands around the concept of humility, I often go back to this image of Jesus in the garden. Um, and again, in, in my just reflections on this, you know, and thinking about Jerusalem, the temple is, is up high, and the Garden of Gethsemane is down in the valley right below it. And so Jesus, when he was there, you know, praying, um, sweating, you know, drops of blood, um, asking the Lord, you know, to take this cup away, you know, but then saying in a very humble way, not my will, but your will be done. He was in that low place. He was in the lowest place. Uh, and for some reason, that image always comes back to me when I think of, when I think of trying to remember what is humility, I think of Jesus in the garden, in the low place, below the mount that where the temple mount and where the city is and this imposing you know facade of the temple looming over him and he's down below and he's just on his knees and he's praying uh, in the, in the low place and what he's essentially saying is not my will um, but your will be done and so you have the physical and the 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 uh, ideological kind of definition essence of humility uh, in those those two parts of that image of Jesus Christ in the garden. So I'm sure when when I say that, you know, there's still questions. In fact, before we even started talking, recording what we're saying, you know, we were we're circling around, you know, some of these concepts and humility is incredibly complex on one level, but to begin to put our our arms around it, it's this concept of being in, in a low place. Um, and, and low is a relative term, and so ultimately what it means is being low before God. It's the, cr- it's the creator and the creature relationship. It's seeing yourself as a creature before a creator God and dependent upon a creator God. Not my will, but your will be done. Hmm. So would you say then that humility is primarily relationship with with God versus humility towards other people? Or does that come in as a different, different topic? (laughs) That's a great question. No, I think it's a great, I think it's a great question. And what, what I want to say is that I don't think you can get humility on the, on the horizontal plane, right? Until you get humility on the vertical plane. Mm -hmm. Until you start depending on the Lord, not my will, but but your will be done, uh, emptying yourself. Um, then you can accept and receive and be okay with the the bumping, the chafing, the annoyance, the posturing, the fragility that is a continual part of our horizontal relationships. Yeah. I don't know if this is, um, I think in the book, 
um, Andrew Murray says something along the lines of like, you can't, you can gauge kind of where you are and your humility with the Lord and your dependence on him uh, by how you are interacting with like other people. Right. You know, if we're thinking about growing in humility, one of the things we need is a feedback loop. Like, okay, how, how am I doing? Right. And to the extent that we are smarting as a result of the posturing and the uh, boasting and the imposition of the people around us, those are signs that we're not in that, in that place of humility. We were talking before about the ego and Tim Keller's book, the what the self forget what is it self forget freedom of self forgetfulness yeah so talk about because you guys were talking about the ego and the distended e- you know that whole thing yeah so so this is a great book uh, Rebecca and I read and discussed a little bit and kind of the the main points is um, the ego is empty painful uh, uh, I think busy and fragile thank you. <laughs> Um, but where I think that ties in with the, the point about the ego being painful, um, Tim Keller talks about, you know, the, our body and our physical, uh, awareness of our body. And a lot of times we don't think about our toes during the day when we're walking that just, it happens. But when there's something wrong with our toes, we really feel them when we walk and it's a sign that something's wrong with our toes. So drawing on that connection, Tim Keller talks about the ego as, you know, we say all the time, oh, my feelings are hurt, or, you know, um, that bruised my pride. Um, so this this connection of pain as being an indication of something inherently wrong with the body, um, I think is an important point, because just like Andrew was saying, um, when we're in relationship with people and we're smarting over things that are happening in this position of being low, we're feeling hurt, feeling bruised, it's a, it's a sign of the condition of our ego and our reflection of ourself based on other people's assessments of us. And so when that becomes the, the priority in our life, to be judged well by others, to be received well by others, we really can't help but feel hurt because uh, you can never really stand in perfect relationship with everybody. And so I think that that's interesting. So, so crucial and and it a couple things i'm thinking about it reframes how we conceive of discipleship itself i think we think about discipleship we think of oh i got to get up in the morning and discipleship is when i'm pouring over the bible by myself and having a prayer time with the lord on some level right what strikes me about that concept is that actually no the lord is discipling me all day long and he's giving me opportunities to respond to where I'm at, you know, by the emotions that are swirling about inside of me. And then, you know, okay, why, you know, let's say I am smarting. Okay, why am I smarting in this moment, Lord? And then that opens up a channel of prayer and dependency, not my will, but your will, you know, with the Lord throughout the course of the day. Um, and that's just a beautiful thing. And it also s- suggests that that um, that God is the one who's orchestrating and and in control of this process. You know, it's not just merely up to us. In fact, 
he brings those annoying people into our presence because he's in control of the process and quote unquote annoying. Uh, I know I'm one of them most of the time. So, uh, but like, you know, he brings those people because he has something better for us and for us to get there, he has to puncture that bloated ego, you know, and make us realize that, oh, there's something, there's a wound there. There's something that needs to be healed. The other thing that I was thinking about when you're talking about that, Annie, is um, the impact, how we've lost a degree of that through this season of isolation. And I just, I'm not sure we even understand the impact of the absence of that kind of, you know, it's like we went from playing NFL football, you know, contacting each other and having having that opportunity to be corrected and changed by community to I don't know playing golf or something by you know by ourselves or, or some solo you know and I'm not sure I mean the long-term impact of that is 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 going to be significant I think sometimes I even notice that you know I'm more sensitive than I might have been previously because it's like I'm out of it's it's uncomfortable to me um, so it's exciting if we can get back to that because that's one of the beauties of us getting back in community together is that we have that opportunity to change and transform and, and grow each other. There's actually uh, a great quote from Andrew Murray's book uh, that I wrote down. Accept every humiliation. Look upon every person who tries or troubles you as a means of grace to humble you. I think that's just a, a difficult mindset to take, but... Uh, how much different we would experience each day if we really believe that. It's like jujitsu. You're taking, you're taking the blow and turning it into this thing that, you know, that ends up blessing you. It's so good and very freeing. Um, okay. So I feel like I've heard um, when people kind of talk about humility and just um, its power, I think I've heard it primarily in this kind of like, framework of just submission to the spirit like if we want to see more of god's power in our lives we'd want our will to be aligned with his so that we can see the fruit of his like partnership in full um but i guess there are a lot of reasons why um humility is central to the christian life um do you want to maybe speak on some of the ways that you think that this is just um well i like what you say about how you know critical humility is to the infilling of the Holy Spirit, um, because it is a kind of an emptying, you know, it's that posture. Um, but I do think, and I think what you say there, and just generally, you know, humility is hitting at something core regarding Christianity. I mean, it, it, and, and the person of Jesus, maybe, is a better way to say it, that that humility is, is central. I mean, it, it strikes me as interesting that you know probably what we most associate with with satan with the devil is pride and arrogance against god so his so the worst thing you can do <laughs> is to lift yourself up against god and the best thing that you can do is to humble yourself before the lord is to to lower yourself in posture to to bend the knee before the lord and to begin to live a life in which you take your cues from God, that he gets to define who you are, 
gets to define, well, even going back to our previous conversation, the, the value of you. You don't have to define your value. You don't have to, he gets to define you. So you're submitting. It's kind of a, it's kind of like a counterintuitive thing. You're submitting to this, this beautiful sort of truth that actually you don't get to define yourself anymore. That God defines you. And then out of that, because of the way he's defined you, he now has a life for you. And oh, by the way, all the ways in which you have failed to honor God and love God, he's also taken care of in this most transcendent act of humility going to the cross and becoming the lowest of the low. I mean, if you had a hierarchy of class, you know, in the time of Jesus, the very lowest place of all in all society ever that somebody could go to would be to be hung on a cross. And so that's where Jesus went. He went to the very lowest place, the lowest part of the pecking order in order to bring salvation, to, you know, heal us from sin, to take into himself our sins, to atone for our sins. And then you have this beautiful, I mean, what's the, what is the, what is the, the glorious story of the Bible? It's Jesus in that humble place being what? Lifted up, right? God lifts him up. The Father lifts him up from that lowest place. So the, you, you could argue that the central arc of the Christian faith is this movement from, you know, False heights to true low to God-given high. That's the storyline of the Bible. So that's why it's so central. And, you know, people like Augustine said, you know, if you plan to build a tall house of virtues, you must first lay deep foundations of humility. So we see over and over again that people who have been thinking about Christianity, thinking about the Christian faith, have concluded over and over again that humility in terms of virtues and even beyond just a virtue like a theological concept that explains the story arc of the life of Jesus that humility is central to that John Wesley said humility is the center of all virtues Andrew Murray said humility is the root of the Christ life kind of my favorite um, version of this statement humility is the root of the Christ life well you could sort of meditate on that for a long time. Um, C.S. Lewis, humility is the center of all Christian morals. So, you know, these are people that we've turned to over and over again, who who we look to as, okay, if somebody really has spent time, these are people who've spent time to understand the Bible and understand the story arc of, you know, the Christian faith, of the life of Jesus, of what God is doing in the world. And they're saying that humility is central. You know, all the other, the fruit of the Spirit are born out of this sense of dependency upon God. Um, I love what Andrew Murray says in the book Humility. He says, you know, you basically, uh, it's a total paraphrase, but he's basically saying, look, you, you know, you could try to induce yourself to humility by um, reminding yourself over and over again how sinful you are. Like, that's one way that people have often talked about motivating you towards humility but he says there's kind of a more grand i mean that's true right 
And we see that even, you know, in in the New Testament. I mean, Paul kind of, you know, brings out his his sinfulness um and 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 then attaches it to his desperate need for grace. So there is that element, but there is something even more maybe glorious and central to existence itself, which is this idea that um, simply God's creator and we are the creature. God's the creator and we are the creature. Sometimes I just think if I could just, if I could just accept that, like really down to my toes, that I'm just a creature, you know, that would, that would induce me towards a deeper humility that would then spread itself towards the people around me. There's this image at the very end of Andrew Murray's book that is so glorious. It's like my favorite, uh, one of my favorite ones. It's so simple. You know when you're, you get up in the morning and the sunlight is coming through the window and you can actually see the rays of light and you see in those rays of light coming through the glass because it's so brilliant you can actually see the the dust in the air that's floating around and andrew murray says you know at the end of the day essentially you're just kind of like a little dust mite floating before the brilliant rays of god's glory and dancing in that light and reflecting it and isn't that such a powerful image? Because it, at the same time, it captures our smallness, our creatureliness in relation to God's awesomeness as the creator. At the same time, it captures that, and yet we don't become more dull as a result. We don't become, you know, less. We actually become more as a result of that because we we now are reflecting, refracting, mirroring the light of God that's coming through that window. I just think that is astounding that as I lose myself, I actually find myself more attached to glory. Not my glory, but the glory of God. Um, and and that's, that's my hope and my joy. Like I don't, I don't have to try to glow. I just have to receive. I think that's a, a great image and uh, it kind of reminds me of the idea of, you know, we're described as being vessels a lot of the times. And I used to think, you know, the purpose of life was living for God and being able to give of my good works and my love to other people. So I think with that metaphor, it's, you know, I'm trying to be a full vessel of my own water. But then, you know, we're commanded to offer ourselves, offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And so I see that as just get rid of all your water. Just pour yourself out and don't try and fill yourself and then make yourself empty, right? And that's what we're called to be is just an empty vessel so then we can be filled. Um, so I, I really like that that image of the more, you said the more you lose yourself, you know, the, the closer to God's glory you get. I mean, if you use the water analogy like you're using and the empty vessel, you know, it's like, the God's resources are infinite. So, of course, there's a whole thing about, you know, we, we, we can't be foolish in the way we pour ourselves out, but God's resources are infinite. And so, 
there is on one level, uh, we don't have to be afraid of pouring out because, because of that infilling, which to me is a little kind of parallel to that light imagery. So let me ask you guys, what have you felt, uh, along this journey? What, how has it been for you as you've tried to explore embracing Christ-like humility? Anything come to your mind that characterizes what that journey's been like for you? Yeah, I feel like as you were talking, I'm just thinking about how like multifaceted this is just to pursue um, humility because I think there's like the um, maybe the bigger things that... Um, I don't know, maybe we choose to do in the Christian life, like um, maybe spending time with the Lord or um, tithing or, you know, those very conscious sacrifices. But I think um, where I definitely have seen just so much struggle is in that, like um, just what happens on like more the mental level, the heart level, which is like, you know, what do I do with my plans? You know, how, how much work should I pursue in a particular season of my life, you know? And I think sometimes um, if I'm not being super reflective, then it can become, um, yeah, it can just not realize how much I'm doing out of a lack of trust uh, that the Lord would do his work and his timing, right? Then I put so much on myself per se, and that's not, um, that's not humility, right? It can look like humility, but it doesn't mean that it is, <laughs> you know? Um, so I've just seen, I don't know how difficult this really is to to walk out. Yeah, I think along similar lines of, of realizing that you can't control things or you can't trust in your own plans. I think anytime I'm in a situation where I'm not prepared or I'm not competent enough, not capable enough, those are really moments where I realize that I need to be relying on God, which I should know all along, but it's easy to forget that. So I think whether it's kind of forcibly putting myself in those situations where I have to rely on God and I know that my works alone or my, you know, my creativity, my resourcefulness, and my resourcefulness alone will not get me through. Um, those situations are very uncomfortable, but I think they're a really good way of producing humility um, and having us recognize what that feels like sometimes and can be painful, but uh, I think it's, it's a good a good challenge in certain circumstances. Yeah, similar to what we were talking about earlier, is just the allowing the the uh, moments of life that are surprising to press us in towards the Lord. Absolutely, I remember one time <laughs> I w was preaching in um, in Oakland. Um, before we planted the church, and there were two services, and I was, I, this first service went so well, I was like, man, that was, I just hit a home run, that was so awesome, you know, it's, like, I was trying, I mean, it's, it's hard to admit that I, those thoughts were going through me, I was trying to suppress them, but, like, they were there, you know, and, uh, and then I'm walking, like, before second service, uh, I'm walking down the uh, side aisle, and there are these archways in that old building and they sort of stick out and I'm like smiling at people and everything. And I just go smack right into the archway and the whole side of the congregation just starts laughing. <laughs> I knew immediately. I was like, yeah, thank you, Lord. Good. <laughs> 
so um the i think you know throughout i don't know just the processing of all this there there are just so many different ways and and i wonder sometimes if there are moments when you know a particular phrase will really speak to us and we'll hold on to it you know so maybe you come across a scripture and for whatever reason the the particular wording of that verse just strikes you in this moment and it really helps you grapple with this thing of humility. And I think one of the things that we, 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 sh- we can probably do more of is, is really seeing those moments and capturing them. And, you know, if you have to write down that phrase and commit it to memory so that it becomes this ongoing call you know, until you've really internalized it and absorbed it. And then in the next season, it'll be some other phrase that will help you out. Um, so it's a very dynamic thing. I think of, I think that the, I've concluded that the process of embracing humility and growing in humility or living in humility is maybe a better way to say it, is more like tuning a guitar than flipping a switch. So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a guitarist. You're a guitarist too. Are you a guitarist? Bass, mm-hmm. nope. double. <laughs> oh, wait, a bass, really? Yes. Oh, so you the same string instrument, so you know. Um, any instrument like that, you if you leave it out for a little while, it gets out of tune. It just does. And if the weather is is dramatic, it will get out of tune more quickly. Or if you bang it around, put it on an airplane, take it off an airplane, you know, it will get more out of tune. So. Um, so you have to bring it back into tune and, and that for me, that's been the experience with humility, um, and the pursuit of humility. It's, it's not something that I've ever felt like I've been close to saying, okay, I learned that lesson and now I'm going to move on. Um, it's more like, okay, I'm out of tune. How do I get back in tune? And there's lots of different ways, you know, that we can, that we can do that, um, so, you know, some thoughts about, about, you know, I, I, I probably had so many phrases and little reminders and kind of the equivalent of a string around your finger, you know, to remind you about these things. Um, and so many of them I've forgotten, you know, some of them are simple. Like I actually think the mere decision to read the Bible is, is, a, is a movement towards humility. Because you've just decided, I'm going to submit myself to God's word. And that is an immediate posture. You're, you're kind of low, you know, before the Lord. So um, that's one way, I think, that's very simple. We've talked about some other ways that are important, like the idea of paying attention to, you know, your emotions and where there's sensitivity or paying attention to circumstances that might cause you to be made aware of your smallness and your creatureliness. Again, it's getting in that place where you're just a creature and you realize that God is the creator and you're living in that dynamic. You're living in that relationship, shaping all of your other relationships. So one of them that I thought I would share, though, just related to my own most recent sort of way of thinking about this and one of the the phrases that I have found helpful to call me back into a place of humility at least to to point me in the right direction 
um, is this idea that I do not exist uh, of myself, for myself, or by myself. I do not exist of myself, for myself, or by myself. And so um, I actually sat down and tried to, I, I think I thought of every preposition. I looked up all the prepositions and tried to put them in that phrase, and then I eventually distilled it down to three because I th- thought I could capture most of them in that. But this idea that um, it kind of captures the creature, the creatureliness. Uh, I do not exist of myself. I didn't. I didn't make me, and my my struggles. Now I'm responsible for my sins. Okay, we've talked about that, and in Christ, you know, um, those are atoned for. So that's a little bit separate. But but there are things I'm just not good at. And there are things that, you know, I can look at and say, well, because I'm not good at that, I'm, I'm less than, and I can become self-focused about that and what have you. But this little phrase, I do not exist of myself, is just a simple acknowledgement that I didn't design me. And I'm not responsible for, for all that. Like, the mess that, the hot mess that I am, well, this was God's creation, right? And so, just relax. It's okay. Um... Uh, I, we got to be careful not to take too much responsibility for things that we were not responsible for. Um, I, I do not exist of myself. I do not exist for myself. And this is a really refining one for me because it has to do with purpose. So origin of myself is origin, you know, uh, by my, or excuse me, for myself is purpose. And so that has to do with you know, uh, what are my goals? And you talked about this, both of you talked about this actually when we, we, as, I mean, you're in a very intense situation when you're a student, you know, a a grad student, you know, and you've got to produce and all that. Um, But this phrase for myself helps me to kind of step back and say, well, why am I even doing this? And sadly, Oftentimes the answer is because there's something that I will be getting out of it. But if I can shift that, well, I'm actually doing this, whatever it is I'm doing, for the Lord. That the Lord might be glorified. It's for the Lord. There's power in shifting that focus, that purpose of my life. And now I can give stuff up that would be related to my own well-being. I can give stuff up. It's okay. It wasn't about that. Uh, And then the last one, um, by myself. That doesn't mean, like, alone. I don't exist alone, although it it, it kind of could also mean that. But what I really mean by that is that it's it's sort of the the, uh, instrument. uh, it's, It's not by my own strength or will or power that anything of value or lasting um, quality will be accomplished. It's only by the Holy Spirit working in and through me that lasting things can be accomplished. So that, that helps me to stop striving and trying in my own strength and to remember to wait on the Lord and depend on the Lord. I don't exist by myself. I exist because the Lord is giving me life, sustaining me every day, enabling me to go forward, enabling me to live. So that's my phrase. I do not exist 
of myself, for myself, or by myself. And I'm finding that to be helpful these days. That's deep. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. So with, with these kind of practical, I guess, strategies at, at uh, really seeking, striving after humility, if, if all of us here at Solano were really living in this and embracing this, um, making a search for humility with God our, our kind of uh, our goal, where, where would you see our church going? Like, how would we be transformed? What kind of impact could we have? Mm. That's a great question and uh, kind of gets my mind spinning a little bit. Um, I think, though, the, the first thing, I think the first test, the, the easiest test of humility is joy. I'm not sure I can even draw a real clear line between those two and explain exactly why those two are so connected. But um, I think I see this in the book of Philippians, um, and I know I experience it, that when I hit, and I see it in, actually in the quote from C.S. Lewis, um, when I hit that place of renewed, refreshed humility, there oftentimes is an inflooding of joy and a letting go of many of the things that I have been anxious about. Just a replacing of that with a freedom and a lightness and a joy. And imagine a community that is characterized by that kind of lightness and freedom and joy. And 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 imagine, you know, if if we, a lot of these things that we hold on to, you know, imagine how much grace we would be able to extend to one another if, if we were living in this place of humility. I, I find it so much easier to extend grace to another person when I'm in the place of humility. And when I'm, when I'm least gracious towards others, when I'm most judgmental, it almost always is traceable back to there being some element of pride in me that has gone unaddressed. And so, Imagine a community of joy, a community of abounding grace that's 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 received from the Lord and enjoyed and extended for, and, and then just that whole creature thing. There'd be a simplicity uh, to our community. There would just be like almost a childlikeness to our community. I just the image of like the Shire, you know, and and that is Tolkien's. He, he, this is his. This is he's saying these are a humble people. You know, when he's talking about the hobbits in The Lord of the Rings. And and there's and it's characterized by this joy, you know, and this and this relationship and, and all of that. So so yeah, um joy, you know, freedom, uh, the extending of grace. And then I think lastly, the thing that would really happen is if you had a bunch of people who actually and, and we are doing this, I want to be really careful because I think a church is always has always made progress, and the people of a church have always made progress, and we're always making more progress. So I, I hate to say it in ways like, oh, we would be, and we're not any of that. No, we're, we are this now, and we're in process with it. So, okay, cool. But um, this whole idea that that there would be a creative uh, element to our community that would just be, you know, increasingly surprising and, you know, sort of off the chain, because... Um, we would be we would be connecting with the Lord in a way um, with malleability. We would be we would be putty in the hands of God because we're sold out. Not my will, but Your will be done. We'd be putty in the hands of and what what the Lord can do with a malleable people. 
I, it's, it's just, it's hard to imagine, you know, the kinds of things that would come shooting off in this direction and that direction as people got sort of inspired by the Lord in a way that was attuned and connected to who they are and their giftedness and calling. I've been thinking about a lot about this idea that we are living stones. You know, this the church is the temple. We are living stones. And so to, to get those living stones just vibrating and, and just moving forward would be, would be part of what would flow out of a deeper collective humility together. And so, hey, let's, let's live into that, right? Who doesn't want all that? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, do you maybe want to close and pray for the Solano community? Absolutely. Oh, Lord, even just praying is more than um, we know how to do. We need you for that. So teach us to pray, right? And I teach us to pray for each other. Thank you for my sisters, for Annie, for Rebecca, and for their um, calling to this ministry and the way that it is impacting lives and um pray that you continue to fill them with creativity and insight and guidance from the Holy Spirit. And uh, Lord, we pray for our community that um, we would all be on a vital journey towards humility, um, that we would be letting go of pride uh, more and more each day, that we'd be tuning ourselves to the wavelength of humility, to the wavelength of Christ. Um, and that the result of that would be freedom in ourselves, freedom in our community, grace and joy and action that is creative and spirit-filled and for your glory. It's a bunch of dust mites dancing in your glory together, Lord. That's what we, that's what we seek and we long for and we pray for in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Okay. Woo. Thank you, guys. <laughs>